The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Don't know me. My name is Maria Stratman, and I'm a former scientist and businesswoman, reformed. <laughs> Actually, I don't denigrate it. It was a wonderful part of my life. And um, I've been a meditator for about 15 years. I do hospice work, and um, I'm a chaplain, a Buddhist chaplain. So I'm substituting for Andrea, who is on a six-week retreat. May she have a wonderful retreat. I'll also be here next week. So um, I'm a little excited this morning because someone walked in the room that I have not seen for somewhere on the order of 28 years. <laughs> Unexpectedly, it's kind of exciting. And it's particularly uh, appropriate because this morning I want to talk about forgiveness. And this person is someone that I wanted to ask forgiveness of for about 28 years. <laughs> Not because I did anything but because I felt like I had interrupted hopes. And for that I am very sorry. Not because of my intention, but I've been carrying that burden for a long time. And that's what forgiveness is really about. Laying down the burden. Laying down the burden. So, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And um, perhaps my favorite phrase about forgiveness is letting, is uh, give, giving up all hope of a better past. Because really, all of the stuff we carry around with us is wishing something hadn't happened. Wishing something had been different than it used to be. Which is not something that we can affect now in our everyday lives. If, if what it is now is what it is. But somehow we're holding on to the hope that we can rewrite that dream, that moment, that thing. And so we find ourselves very often in conflict that affects our peace of mind, our, our ability to just be in the world with ease. And we want to find a way out of this suffering. One of the reasons this has come up for me is that I've done a lot of my own suffering around issues of forgiveness, particularly lately. And what I would like you all to have is a way of letting go of some of that because we all have this in little ways, in big ways. We all have this. And the ability to let go of something is a blessing. It's an act of generosity. So uh, there's a researcher at Stanford by the name of Fred Luskin. Some of you may have heard of him. He's done a lot of research around forgiveness. How, what is forgiveness? What are we forgiving in the first place? And he has a, a kind of structure. He says that uh, it's important for people to understand that there, there's kind of three things that happen that lead us to having to to lead to forgiveness. One of them is that we have some injury that we take personally. 
somehow this is about us. Even if it's something in the global world, you know, something that the U.S. is doing on my behalf. Somehow it's my behalf. There's a personalization that happens. That's a really important component because that's where we, that's where we find the holding in the first place. Okay? So first, we take this unkindness personally. Secondly, we blame the offender, subtly or not so subtly, for the injury that we feel, for the unhappiness we feel. So first we personalize it, then we blame the offender. It's you that did this to me. Now there's that that externalization of what has happened. And third, we create a grievance story. And here's where the real richness is. We create the story around how terrible this event was. And then we reinforce it because we tell ourselves that story over and over and over again. Oh, and sometimes it takes the form of, they always do this. Sometimes it takes the form of, how could they do this? The, the moral outrage of it. But we create a story, a grievance story around it, and that story becomes a part of us. That story we carry around with us. And we reinforce that story. This is unforgivable. This is unforgivable. They do this every time. I can't just let this pass. There's this, there's this wholeness that we start building up around it. So those are the three elements that he thinks are important. Uh, however, he also has this little quote that he uses called, that he, where he says, Resent, resentment is like taking poison and hoping the other person will die. Because resentment is right here. Resentment is scratching around and constricting around our own hearts. It's right here in, in the middle of us. So one of the things many of you have heard me quote before is the opening to the Dhammapada. Now, this is the Buddhist take. So we've heard the Fred Luskin from Stanford take on, on the elements that are involved in forgiveness, the, the personalize the, the energy, the injury, creating the... the the offender as the blaming party, and third, creating the grievance story. Here's the way the Buddha talked about it. The opening of the Dhammapada. This is important enough to me that I had it engraved on the back of my iPad. (laughs) All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a corrupted mind, and suffering follows, like the wheel follows the hoof of the ox. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a peaceful mind, and happiness follows like a never-departing shadow. It continues. He abused me, he attacked me, He defeated me. He robbed me. For those carrying on like this, hatred never ends. She abused me, attacked me, defeated me, robbed me. For those who do not carry on like this, hatred ends. Hatred never ends by hatred. By non-hate alone does it end. 
This is an ancient truth. Many do not realize that we here must die. For those who realize this, quarrels end. Okay, those are verses 1 to 6, chapter 1 of the Dhammapada. Basically what it says is what we hold in our hearts is what we live with. What we hold in our hearts. So, one way to look at forgiveness is that it's a a piece of mental health. It's a way of letting go of some of that icky stuff that we're holding in our hearts. That stuff that we bend around and and contract around. That stuff that, that leaves us with kind of a bad feeling. There is a uh, a Thai teacher that we were lucky enough to have here a couple of years ago named Ajahn Lee. And in uh, a discourse he gave on generosity, he said there are three levels of generosity. And the first two have to do with, letting, with gifts, giving things, giving of yourself, giving of compassion, giving of uh, goods, letting go of things in that way. But the third one, the third level of generosity... I think I have this in the wrong place today. I'm going to risk lifting it up. Here we go. The third level of letting go is relinquishing what is in the heart. Whether or not we give things away, we let go of them in the heart every day. We let go of the things we have. We let go of the things we do not have. Just as a person has to wash his mouth and hands every day after he eats, if he wants to stay clean at all times. What this means is that we're not willing to let anything act as an enemy to the heart by making us stingy or grasping. What this means is that we let go. If we don't do this, we're the type of person who doesn't wash up after a meal. We're not clean. We stay asleep without ever waking up. But when we let go in this way, it's called viragadama, or dispassion. That's the key word. The lower, the other two levels of letting go are things we can only do from time to time. Dispassion is something we can develop always. Dispassion. doesn't mean that we don't live passionate lives. But it means that that energy that energy that is eating away from us, we can, we can decide to have that or not have that. This is a choice. We can, we can decide it. We can, suffering becomes like, like a fist in our hearts. A fist. We're holding on. That's the grasping part. This is my story and I'm sticking to it and I'm holding on to it and it hurts to hold that heart. I mean, this fist that I've created with my hand actually hurts Now, I can let go of that, and I can treat that event, that unhappiness, that injury, as being there, but now it's in an open hand. I'm not holding on to it. It's just, it's there. I don't pretend it's not there. I don't make it go away. I just don't hold on to it. So, it's really about never putting someone out of our heart. So I'm going to tell you a story. It's a personal story. 
Um, and it's why this has been on my mind. So there is someone in my life that, that I care about very deeply, that I was on a collision course with. And I'd gotten to the point where we could hardly speak. It ostensibly was about a third person, <laughs> another event. But something happened that this other person that I care about said something about me that was very hurtful. And I didn't know how to deal with that. So I finally decided I would confront them. And when I, I would say, why did you say this about me? And so I did. I said, why did you say this about me? <laughs> and she said, well, I just had to know. It was really a question that implied something about me. And as we tried to talk about it, it was clear that we, were, we weren't resolving anything. We were not resolving anything. She felt offended, I felt offended, and I had gone into this with the intention of being kind. That was, I, that was my intention, I went, I'm going to be kind. And I realized I was not feeling kind. I was feeling really hurt, and I didn't know what to do with that. I had tears running down my face, and she wasn't even looking at me. So I decided to leave, because I didn't see how to move ahead and still be kind. And as and I, I've told you leaving stories before, so I'm going to tell you this one is different. <laughs> so I left, and I, I went and talked to someone else and said, okay, I know I agreed I was going to try to do this, but it's not working, and I'm going to leave. And this person said to me, please go back and try again. I said, but, you know, it's not working. She's not even looking at me. He said, please go back and try again. So I went back, and I decided, okay, if it's not working, then obviously what I'm doing isn't working. <laughs> and I'm just going to look at her. I'm going to see her. And I started asking her about herself. And it became very clear that she was very hurt. And she was very tired. And she was very depressed. And she was very wounded. Not so much what I was doing or what she imagined me to do. But there she was in a lot of pain. And because I had decided I wasn't going to fix it, I'd, I'd let go of that agenda item, I just saw her and how much pain she was in. And that changed in my heart. That changed my heart. That changed the holding on to this event, that, this harm that she had done to me. And I was able to say, you know, that's not even, that's just something. And I could see that both she and I were feeling hurt. Both she and I were in pain. And I asked her more about what was going on with her. And we had a really, really lovely conversation. Not lovely for how happy everyone was, but lovely for its honesty and its, its sharing. And it's, it's just connecting on that level, which is where we were connected all along. This other stuff was other stuff. 
Now, was that forgiveness? It was letting go of that thing in my heart. It had nothing to do with her. It was me letting go of that injury that was keeping me from seeing her and from allowing our connection to be true. It was letting go of my decision to push her out of my heart. In my mind, that was forgiveness. It had nothing to do with what I what the injury was. It doesn't have to do with the content of the harm. It has to do only with the harm. Now, I've chosen an event event that is very specific. It wasn't all that wounding. You know, there there are greater wounds than somebody saying something about you that's undeserved, that is negative and hurtful. And, and the pain for me had less to do with what she said about me than who she was that was saying it about me. You know, well, I thought our relationship was, was better. I thought we had more connection that you would never believe this about me, and so on, right? So there's this other stuff that's part of that that both makes it more hurtful and, and acknowledges the connection that was deep enough for that amount of pain. Does that make sense? This isn't like someone who is a stranger that says this strange thing about, this is somebody I've known you know, for 50 years. <laughs> what happened, though, was an allowing, an allowing... I still can think back to the hurt of hearing what she thought I had done. Whether she believed it or didn't believe it, the fact that she said it, I can still go back to that hurt, but I don't have to massage that hurt. You know, I have to rub it between my hands and say, oh, what a terrible thing that was. How could she? That story part of it. Also, by connecting in with her pain and her sorrow and seeing her wounded self, I was able to stop blaming her. That amount of blame kind of eased. So it isn't about saying, well, maybe she never even said that. Let's all pretend. No. There was a hurt. Okay. Hand open, there it was. I acknowledge it, but I don't have to nurse it. I don't have to make it part of me. I don't have to make it part of my life. I don't have to put her out of my life, put her out of my heart. I just saw her in a different way. There are two ways that Buddhism makes a place for forgiveness. One is the realization that everything is conditioned by what we bring into our hearts. So whatever we're carrying around with us is going to affect what's going on. If you wake up cranky and you haven't had your coffee and somebody says the wrong thing, boom! Ah, they're always like that. 
I had this moment uh, the other night when I came home after one of these long trips down here, big day, long trip back, walk in the house, my husband's ready to eat, he's getting ready to go, and I said, look, I need a couple of minutes, I'll make this, but I need to go upstairs and do something. So I went upstairs to do something, and then I decided to check my email because I was waiting for something from someone, and the computer wasn't working. So I'm, what's wrong with the internet? I can't figure this out. And um, so he hollers up from downstairs, do I need to make this? Are you wanting me to make this? No, 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 I'll be down, I'll be down. So I'm angry about the computer, and I'm tired. I walk into the kitchen. Now, I've known this man for 27 years. There are things about us that are different. We're very compatible, but he is able to live with clutter in a way that just doesn't meet my requirements. I once said, someday I'm going to have a house that is more zen-like, and his mother said to me, and who will you be married to? (laughs) So this is not a surprise between us. We know this about each other. So I came into the kitchen. I start making this up. I've got stuff all over the kitchen. I decide to start cleaning up after I stick dinner in the oven. I'm cleaning up, and he comes in. He's going to help. He's going to make a salad. And I'm in the middle of cleaning up. And I said, just give me a minute to finish. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And he walks out of the kitchen, and I'm thinking, all right. I didn't deserve that. I'm making dinner. And I could feel this building up the story. And I said, wait a minute. This is not a surprise. I know this about this man. This man knows this about me. This is nothing. I don't have to turn this into something. That's the letting go, the dispassion that Ajahn Lee was talking about. Just letting go right in the moment. Not letting it build up into, oh, he's always like that. Why can't he see me? Right? But we do this all the time. And if we, if we stack them up, it's like saving green stamps. I know people don't do that anymore. But, you know, we, you just save points so that you can cash them in on some big thing. Let's save up all these imagined in- injuries, and we're all just being ourselves. That dispassion, that letting go, it's a form of forgiveness. It's saying, okay, he didn't have to say, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what? He really was just coming in to help. <laughs> and he felt, I don't know what he felt, maybe he felt rejected. You know, get out of my space. Who knows what he felt? But I could have created a really interesting story about it. And it could have been, it could have ruined the whole night. <laughs> and we were having crab. I mean, <laughs> who wants to ruin a night like that? So, so that's what we're talking about. Experience in the moment, how do we hold it? Where do we put it in our hearts? Do we create a closing around it? Do we allow it just to be? Okay, so, so that's fine. That's, that's this light letting go in the moment. But there are things that happen that are really deeply hurtful that we've carried around with ourselves for a long time. Do you have resentments that you've had for years? Quite possibly. Something big, something small, but there, carrying it around. 
How could you have done this to me? Perhaps all we can do in the world has to do with what we carry in our hearts. So how can we affect this? How can we do something with it that allows us to let go of that suffering? We start with being aware of what our stories are. What's my story around this? Where did it come from? How big is it? Am I making it bigger? Am I giving it more energy? Energy, 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 bigger. Right? We have emotions attached to something that happens. What's the energy behind that emotion? Is it fear? My husband left me. Nobody will ever love me again. He's a bad guy. This is a big hurt. Maybe it's anger. It was his fault in the first place. Feel what that energy is. What is that energy? And know it. Know what it is. But don't wallow in it. You don't have to make it bigger. You don't have to make it more. Just see it. The trick, the trick is not to be caught in the intensity of that emotion. Look at it. It's little, wow, it is really big. That's a big one. That's, that is a major hurt. Ooh, look at that. Not <gasps> the gasping for air because it's a major hurt. Okay, so there's a certain dispassion here where we look at it there. We don't deny it but we don't pull it in and, and have it overwhelm us. So, um, so I'm going to tell you another personal story. About 27 years ago, my husband left me for another woman. He fell in love with someone else. Whose fault was it, his or mine, is not a useful question. I remember my ex-husband with great fondness, actually. I loved him very much. He hurt me a lot. Now, I have two different kinds of stories about that event. I have the story about what a terrible person he is for this betrayal. I have a story about, oh, he was a very uh, hurt individual and I understand how this happened. I have a variety of stories that at various times I've carried around in my life about this event. And these stories have different emotions associated with them. Some of them are more affectionate and some of them are more related to anger. And I have the capability of grabbing that emotion and bringing it into the present moment and refeeling that emotion. I can do that really easily because this was an intense time of my life. But I don't do that anymore because it's really not very useful. Now, at some point, I forgave my husband. And that went through various stages also. You know, there's the stage of, well, he was doing the best he could. So it's okay and I forgive him. 
that was a useful place. That was, that was pretty useful, actually. It let go of a lot of the resentment around that. And then one day I asked myself the question, what if he wasn't doing the best that he could do? <laughs> what if that wasn't the best he could do? And what I discovered is there was more resentment that I was still holding on to some resentment because if that wasn't the best he could do, I wasn't sure I had forgiven him. <laughs> now, I want you to notice this had absolutely nothing to do with him. This was all me, in my heart, in my mind, in my stories. What difference did it make whether I had forgiven him completely or partially? made no difference to him whatsoever. But it had a lot to do with what I was carrying in my heart. That closed up, bending around the story, holding on to my hurt part of not forgiving. That's, that's where the rubber meets the road. It isn't the other person. It's what you're holding in your heart. It's what I was holding in my heart. So the question is, is the mind spacious enough to hold all of the anger and the fear and the resentment and just say, okay, there it all is, and not grab it in and say, this is mine. This is mine, and I'm going to hold on to it, and it's your fault. (laughs) How is it their fault? The injury may have been called, caused by another person. That's not the point. The suffering that we have is our relationship to that injury. Now, I did say that it was 27 years ago. I did not forgive my husband the first year this happened. <laughs> it took me a long time. And I work with it I still work with it. I work with pieces of it. There are all those memories. When the memory comes up, what does the memory have? Where, what, what do you incorporate from that memory? The memory is not the event. The memory is about an emotion. I can look at the emotion. I can grab that emotion and bring it into this moment and cry tears. I can have sadness and loss. I really enjoyed being with that man. He had a lot of beautiful things about him. And every time I think about that, I remind myself of all those other things that weren't quite so wonderful so that I don't grab onto that emotion and that loss and make that everything about that loss. I try to be right here, look back at it, see it, see what was there, and then just let, it ha- just let that be in the memory. I don't have to bring it here into this moment. I don't have to bring it here. I can just say, there it all was, all that stuff. The good stuff, the bad stuff, the hurtful stuff, the really joyous stuff, all of it is there. And the marriage is no more. Now, I can carry around with, with me the pain of failure, that, that marriage is no more. I did that for a long time. Then I figured out that I should let go of this anger at myself 
for something that didn't work out. This anger I was carrying around for me. We do this. Sometimes we're mad at someone else because we're mad at ourselves. There's a kind of misdirected anger. This took a long time for me to see about myself. And I still catch myself doing that. I still catch myself doing that. And what I do about it is I see it, I feel it, and then I soften toward it. That's what I did with this woman that I had the conflict with, is I softened. I didn't make it go away. I just let it not be quite so hard, not so rigid, not so definite, not so final. Just soften. See, feel, soften. What is it like, instead of putting the person out of our hearts, to turn toward the person with whom we have unfinished business or unresolved issues, turn toward the person, notice what comes up. When you look at someone toward whom you have some resentment, look at them mentally, What comes up for you? Fear, anger, peace. Thank God they're gone. (laughs) What is it? Judgment? What comes up? See it. And then practice loosening the fingers around it. Just practice loosening the fingers. In your mind, face this person and say, I forgive you. Now, you may not mean it. It may not be real for you. It may not be possible in this moment. But how does it feel? What what is the feeling that comes up for you with respect to this person when you say, I forgive you? What's the first jolt that you feel? Is it (sighs) release? Is it, oh no. Is there a feeling of vulnerability? Just notice it. This is not something you have to do something about. Just notice it. Kind of work backwards. Acknowledge your own response. Whatever is true for you is true for you. This is about making you a better person. Whatever is true for you is still true for you. Sometimes turning inward has to come before this giving out. Notice what's going on. Notice what's going on. Even in the worst conditions, we can be free. There's a quote by Viktor Frankl, who was a psychiatrist who was in a concentration camp during the Holocaust. And here he said this, 
We who lived in the concentration camps can remember those who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from us but the last of human freedoms, the freedom to choose our spirit in any circumstance. I find that very inspirational. We can choose our spirit in every circumstance. Without practice, it's hard. (laughs) Without giving ourselves the freedom around the little things, like the guy that cuts us off in traffic. Uh, Okay. Not it's okay that it happened. Okay, I'm not going to hold it all day, let this guy turn my day into a shitty day because he cut me off. So we have to make a decision. In every moment, we make decisions. Consciously or unconsciously, we're making these decisions. We're not going to get away from making these decisions. It happens. We just don't always notice it. So here's the decision. How do we respond to the moment? To an old grievance. In each moment, we make a choice to stay or to leave, to hold on or to let go, so you can practice letting go for your own for your own health, for your own happiness, for your own joy. Practice letting go of just the little things, because that practice then becomes a new rut. Yay! We're developing something. We're cultivating the ability to not let things escalate and become bigger than they are. We're we're cultivating the ability to stop building the story. And then it becomes easier. Easier and easier and easier. We soften around those attempts of our hearts to close down. So then when your heart softens, then you can feel joy. The person that I was fighting with, because we were able to just be with each other for a while, finally there was this memory came up about red velvet cake. Red velvet cake. And we sat there and we both smiled over that red velvet cake. So long ago. You know, I must have been, I don't know, 13 or something. Red velvet cake. How sweet that memory was. And how unlikely that memory would have arisen had we not gotten past fighting over something that really wasn't what we were fighting over. What we were fighting over was being seen. She didn't feel seen. I didn't feel seen. And we were were arguing over something that didn't have anything to do with that but by softening toward one another. We were able to make room for a little bit of joy in the middle of that. And now I can go back to that question she asked that was so hurtful and say, well, that was a shame, but I'm not carrying it around with me anymore. So I'm going to read you my new favorite poem. My new favorite poem. Jane Hirschfield has a new book of poems out. And this one is called The Decision. 
sounds close to what we were just talking about, right? That was a lead-in, I'll admit that. Okay, here's her poem. There is a moment before a shape hardens, a color sets. Before the fixative or heat of kiln, the letter might still be taken from the mailbox. The hand held back by the elbow, the word kept between the larynx pulse and the amplifying drum skin of the room's air. The thorax of an ant is not as narrow. The green coat on old copper weighs more. Yet something slips through it, looks around, sets out in the new direction for other lands. Not into exile, not into hope, simply changed. As a sandy track rut changes when called a silk road, it cannot be after turned back from. Let me read it again. There is a moment before a shape hardens, a color sets, before the fixative or heat of kiln. The letter might be still taken from the mailbox. The hand held back by the elbow, the word kept between the larynx pulse and the amplifying drum skin of the room's air. The thorax of an ant is not as narrow. The green coat on old copper weighs more. Yet something slips through it, looks around, sets out in the new directions for other lands. Not into exile, not into hope, simply changed. As a sandy track rut changes when called a silk road, it cannot be after turned back from. So what are the decisions that you make? They're not all bad decisions, you know. Do you decide on kindness? Or do you decide on protection and holding? You get to choose. May you all know, find, and give forgiveness. Thank you. So those are my thoughts. I welcome any thoughts you may have. Any observations, questions? Yes. I want to know about the third party. The third party? Uh, yes. Uh, I want to know about the third party in that discussion that you were having or that argument you were having with that woman. Uh huh. The party who said to you, please go back in. Oh, that party. Yes. I want to know more about that party. Well, what's interesting about that is uh, prior to meeting with this woman, I had talked to this third party. And uh, I'm going to give him a mythical name just because this is getting confusing. So I was talking to Pete. And I said to Pete, you know, um, he was in conflict with this woman also. And I said, Pete, I think it would be really great. I think you have a lot of influence with her. And I would like you to treat her with kindness, to, to go in and, and be as kind to her as you know how to be, to remember your connection with her and forget everything else. Because he's actually closer to her than I am. And because I could feel their estrangement, I said, I'd like you to just try this. 
And so he had been trying this. So when he saw me leaving, that was discouraging to him. And so he wanted me to try again. Partly, I think, because it made him feel like maybe he could try again. I don't know. But I do know he, he, he was returning a favor when he asked me to go back. Yes. So, um, I, I don't really want to go into the details of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to form it into a question. So, I, I have an issue with a neighbor, uh, 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 not an issue. Uh, a relationship, very aggressive, hostile one. Mm-hmm. It's been going on for a long time. Um, it's it's not changeable for a variety of reasons. I feel very firmly, um, but I'm trying to find a way to make the situation workable. And so I've said I will just simply try to. Uh, hold, watch my own anger, watch my own behavior, and still say what needs to be said um, uh, uh, as circumstances arise. Um, and when the circumstances arise, the, the, the behavior is always the same. You know, I've asked him to stop doing something and I get shouted at and called names and threatened, etc. And um, I firmly stick with what I'm doing and then I go away at great pain to myself and I'm very upset, very angry, very all kinds of things and I need then to calm myself down. Um, and I, quite frankly, can't figure out um, a better way than that to work with it. And you would like me to wave a wand and make this go away? <laughs> no, of course not. If, if you could, Oh, I sure could. you would. Or somebody, or somebody else could. There, I there wish are, I could. There are no wands. Yeah. Uh, the question that I'm raising is not how to make it go away and get better, but how do I work on this Myself. Yeah. What is skillful and how do you keep from suffering? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about one of those issues for myself this morning. There's someone that I asked myself, uh, okay, so you're giving this talk on forgiveness. What are you going to do about this guy who doesn't go away, who is constantly harassing, that you, you believe is, uh, is not doing what's good for everyone else? How do you feel about him? Because that's the only thing we have control over. I can't make him go away. He's going to continue doing the terrible things, in my view, terrible things that he's doing. And um, there, are, there are several things that I've done. One is I've thought about this person and I've tried to think about uh, uh, good aspects of this person. 
And the reason I do that is to keep from turning him into a cartoon character of the bad guy. So I attempt to see him as a real living person who has opinions and actions that I disapprove of, but also has these other qualities that I value. So I try to look for, va- for things that I value in him. I've not gotten to the point where I, I definitely just disagree with what he does. His mode, his, his mode of being, I don't approve of. I mean, he has a, a habit of getting his way by tearing other people down. That's, his, that's a story, a long-time story, which I consider very ruthless. and it, it, It's painful to watch because some of the people he tears down are my friends. And it's similar to the story you've just told, that I imagine this guy constantly being a source of pain for you, and I'm not happy about that. It's genuine. I I wish you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to put up with that. So um, I don't know anything about this other guy. So I can't think good thoughts about him, (laughs) other than the more kind of general ones, you know? And... um, there's another, th- another aspect of this that might also be present, where there's, there's kind of a tendency to, to think that I should let go of this anger, and I should be better around this, or I should be able to manage this. And there's kind of an extra burden of, of self-condemnation for not being able to fix it, fix it in a way that not fix the problem, but fix it for my own suffering. And sometimes it helps to look at that and say, okay, so am I really beating up on myself here? I can, I can certainly let go of that. You know, and every little bit of letting go softens the energy around that anger. So even if it's softening toward yourself, you're softening that anger. You're softening that, that puddle that's sitting in the middle of the room, wetting everything. Yeah, oh, evaporate a little bit over here and evaporate a little over there. And then it kind of jiggles and softens. And, you know, it's the way that you are responding to it is the only thing you have any control over. And a constant pen stick is something that we can look at and say it's a constant pen stick. <laughs> oh. That really hurts. That hurts. That hurts. I wish it wasn't true. I don't deserve this is a different kind of feeling. Do you see what I mean? So, so the only thing you have control over is what you add to it. So when you feel yourself, what I do, when I feel myself getting angry, is um, that I feel feel that anger in my body and I notice that it hurts and I say to myself that hurts I don't want to hurt and there's just this much opening space where I stop focusing on the energy of the injury and concentrate on how I'm feeling and I don't want to hurt and it helps me let go of the anger it really helps me let go of the anger. I notice that one way of letting go of the anger is not to feed energy into the story around the anger. 
This keeps happening, this keeps happening, this keeps happening. And the experience I have of letting go in the little things, like not getting mad at my husband for going, yeah, 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 is building up that muscle of being able to say, I'm not going to suffer around this. Does that help at all? Yeah, that's the best I can offer you. Maybe I'll think of something later. Thanks. Yes. Did you have something that looked like you had your hand up? My thought, and it may not be hold it, hold it toward your mouth. But when um, practicing in this kind of situation, I often try to hold a hero try to think of someone who was very angry and had the capacity to forgive knowing that someone can do it sometimes helps me and I almost think of it as like cliff notes where you sort of work backwards so the my hero in this case is Martin Luther King and you have to imagine that he had a lot of anger right there were really wrong wrong terrible things that happened and what that helps me with is to say, well, the anger was there, and he, 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 I don't believe softened the anger. Hold it, just look, thanks. <laughs> but maybe grounded it. And the other piece for me is holding the possibility that things can change. To that, for me, that's an important piece of just thinking, you know just creating this space that this person could someday act differently or this circumstance could someday be a little bit different, just even a little bit, that the same thing wouldn't happen every time. Anyway. Thank you very much. That, that's actually a very, uh, a very useful, both of these things are very useful, creating a little space. Now, because this has been uh, ongoing for a long time, that's difficult to do, but there is always, uh, it, with more practice, there's more space, always, always, more, more, more. And also, the, the being inspired by others who have been able to, to get beyond that is, is, I think, very useful. I've used the Dalai Lama that way, uh, uh, as someone who has had a lot of, who witnesses a lot of energy. I heard just a couple of days ago a quote, uh, it may have been even in a talk that Gil gave, uh, that someone gave anyway that that where the Dalai Lama has said responded to how do you deal with the anger of everything that's happened in Tibet and he he said uh, intellectually I'm very in touch with all of those injuries and in my heart I do not hold them both and. Was there something over here? Thank you, Christina. Thank you so much for this talk. It's just been so helpful and so poignant, and I really appreciate it. Um, You're very welcome. um, I have a meeting on Thursday. Uh, I'm a mom of an an eight-year-old, two eight-year-old boys. I have a meeting on Thursday after school with a mother and her eight-year-old son. And my my eight-year-old son and me, and we're going into this meeting because these two boys have been fighting now for two, three years, I mean, from the time they met, they never got along. And the mother asked me to 
meet with her and her son because the boys are not getting along. And we did this several years ago, and it seemed to make a difference for a while. And I facilitated the meeting in a way that I thought it went very well. But the boys are older now, and I'm not so sure. And it's two or three more years of hurting each other and bullying. And um, so going into this meeting, I keep imagining this little boy who one day when I was sitting in the administration office, he came in with his grandmother, and he sat on his grandmother's lap. And she was kind of stroking his hair, and I was looking into his eyes, and I thought, what a beautiful child. And he looks so peaceful on his grandmother's lap. And that helps me with forgiving him for some of the hurt that he has caused my children and others around him. But I still don't know how I'm going to bring these two little boys together to come to the place that you were able to come to with your friend. Or, and, and I question why I'm even trying, because I, it's, I think it's going to be very hard. Yes, and um, I'm sorry for all the pain that this causes. Uh, you know, it's not, um, not everything can be resolved in a way that uh, all parties are suddenly friends. But I believe very much that there's a place where the injury can stop. And I think that's what you're looking for, is a place where the injury stops. So sometimes seeing, helping people to see how they are the same, I think is key. How are they the same? We've got good window on how they're different. That's what the difference is about. But how are they the same? How do they share the same energy? How do they, how do they feel in some environment? Do they feel, do they both feel constricted? Do they not feel constricted in an environment? Do they, what, what, what can they possibly share? If they can see anything about each other, and they can't get there by reasoning because they're young. You know, they're, they're still in the stage where everything is flat-out emotion and experience, and they're not reflective. So getting them to see what they have in common is going to be dependent on someone else who sees what they have in common. I think being able to hold the picture of that young boy with his grandmother must be a real solace for you. Because at some point, you know, you don't make him a cartoon character. And I'm not sure the boys can do that with each other, but you can. You can see what they can't see. This isn't putting the responsibility on you. This is only giving you the space to maybe open enough and open up, be willing enough to risk not protecting your son in order to give him more space also. That will be difficult. I wish you great luck. I'll think of you. Yeah, I guess. I just uh, wanted to comment on your situation a little bit, and actually a little bit on the other one too. 
Is no. that mic on? Yeah, it is. Okay. I think it is. Uh -huh. It is. Never mind. Okay. Ignore me. I mean, in a way, um, the blessing part of both situations is that they're practices that you have in front of you. Um, for you, it seems like it seems like the opportunity is to help your child develop a way of thinking about this because you're not there all the time. You can't be there all the time. And I don't think that you can have a meeting in this kind of situation and sort of fundamentally resolve for all time a situation so that you not being there can be okay, that your son is okay, which is the primary thing, right? So what a wonderful opportunity to communicate with your son about how to deal with these things because this will continue to happen throughout life. It just is, right? And uh, maybe that's the real opportunity, is to develop that kind of communication with your son and to help, them, help him to think about these things so that in the moment, he's better prepared to be able to deal with it without you there, right? Because I can, as a, as a dad myself, right, I can very much feel the same thing, the wanting to fix it for him so that it never happens again. But the truth is, that's never going to be the case. All you can really do is help him figure out how to, how, to, how, to, how to deal with it when it happens. The, how, to, how does he find the strength inside of himself? How does he find you know, the ability to find that moment to make a different decision and, and do something different? Yeah. That's quite beautiful. Thank you very much. That's good. I'm going to let you all go. We've come past the time. Thank you so much. May you be happy. <laughs>